0: It may not quite feel like it with the the sprinkles that have been falling outside uh, this morning, but summertime is is upon us. Summertime is summertime is here, and um, there are a lot of maybe norms for for summers. And, and one of the norms for for many is the is the making of trips, taking some trips, make, making plans to to go and, and visit family, maybe making some plans to to spend a little bit of time. A little bit of time away, and maybe if you don't have family near you, that you're, you go, you go and you go visit them, or maybe they're going to come and to visit to visit you. But along with summer, often comes the the taking of of trips and a little bit of a little bit of travel. And usually, when a trip is made, a decision has been made to make that trip. That just sort of. That just sort of tracks, right? I mean, it, it might be that every once in a while, uh, you might just go for a drive like folks used to do. I, uh, I've, I've got a, a, a friend who lives way up in, in um, the panhandle now, but, but years ago he was uh, my outreach minister in, in Tyler, uh, Don Crawford. And Don at times would say, sometimes you just need a little bit of windshield time. You just need some time to just drive and not necessarily think, but just just drive, a little windshield time to be able to, to clear your mind. Uh, and so it might be that you go for a drive every once in a while just to go for a drive like folks used to do. But with $3 gas, we don't do that as often as we used to do. When a trip is made, when a trip is taken, most every time a decision has been made to make that journey. And I want to equate that to to our being believers and our following of Jesus and our being Christians. You cannot be a follower, a follower of Christ, at least not in a a biblical sense. You cannot be a follower of Christ unless you have made the decision to follow Christ. Sort of makes sense, right? Right? We're beginning a series today that's going to last six weeks. I'm calling it Reaching Out. Our focus is going to be upon reaching out to others. Our focus is going to be upon evangelism. I have in mind some things that I think will, will follow this series well. But, but a time to be able to spend investing together collectively as a church family upon the call to, the call of Christ, the call of following Christ, and the call to reach out. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Apostle Paul, he asks three questions. How can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they call upon the one they've not believed? How can they believe in the one that they've not heard? And how can they... Here, without someone preaching to them but interesting thing we oftentimes we think about those three questions in that one verse and we think that the apostle paul he's talking about someone else we hear these words and we think those words are for some other person to do what that verse is saying there are so many other verses in the bible that we take ownership of and we should Verses that, that we take ownership of, but Romans 10:14, that's for somebody else, which is simply absolutely, positively, not true. Those questions, that verse, it's leveled at us. They're questions for me. They're questions for you. How can they call on the one they've not believed? How can they believe in the one that they've not heard of? And how can they hear unless we say something? And so allow me to to maybe follow those questions with an additional question by way of beginning today and really beginning the series. What would you say is the greatest challenge facing the Eastridge Church of Christ? I want you to try, to try to get that in your mind. What is the greatest challenge that this church has facing it right now? If you, could, if you could write it on a piece of paper and submit it at the end of service today, and whatever you write down gets fixed like that. What's the greatest challenge? Bible class teachers, do you have it in mind? Greatest challenge facing this church? Deacons. Deacons' wives. What's the greatest challenge facing the Eastridge Church of Christ right now? Ministers, I've got 12 shepherds in the room this morning. Elders, what is the greatest challenge that's facing our church right now? If you could write it on a piece of paper and get it fixed, what would it be? Everybody have it? Have it in mind? And so another question. What you have in mind, is it internally focused? Or is it externally focused? Because if it is not externally focused, you're off mission. If it's not externally focused, if it's not focused, if it's not directed outside of these walls... We're off mission. Isn't our, as Christians, as believers, as a church, isn't our primary mission and objective to seek and save the lost? I mean, isn't that our primary mission, our primary objective? Now, that's a little bit of a, a, little bit of a mis- misnomer because I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. Only Jesus can do that. But we know what we mean whenever we say that. Our primary mission is the mission of Christ, the mission of the kingdom to seek and to save the lost. Is our mission not to go into all the world and to make disciples? Isn't that our challenge? Our challenge is to be disciples who make disciples, to reach those who are far from God, even if they're not very far from us. And yet churches, churches do not naturally drift toward evangelism. Churches drift toward themselves. It's really good, so I'm going to say it again. Churches do not naturally drift, move, toward evangelism. They drift toward themselves. And that simply cannot be us. Let me try it this way. The, the word gospel means, means good news. If you're with me, say amen. Okay, the, word, the word gospel means good news. Good, And really what we're saying is the word good news means good news. Gospel means good news. It's good news to us that is to be communicated in a relevant way that's to be good news to others. It's good news for the world. It's the good news that God has poured out salvation through Christ to humanity if only we'll accept that's why it's good news if only we'll accept this good this good news and yet if it's good news to us it's going to be good news to them then it's got to be shared again if you're with me say amen if it's good news and it's got to be shared then it's our challenge to be the ones who share it And good news is something that is to be announced. In Jesus' day, whenever Rome would return, whenever the Roman army, when a Roman general would return to the city of Rome after a battle, after a victory, there would be those who ran in front of that returning army who would shout, who would declare, who would announce gospel. In the sense of, they would announce good news. They would announce victory. That's the imagery that accompanies good news. Those who announce, those who declare, those who herald the message of good news. Messengers announcing the victory of the king. And the same is to be said of us. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to focus upon evangelism. Reaching out. Evangelism is very simply and very intentionally sharing the good news about God. The good news about what God has done in Jesus. Speaking speaking a word, an important word, an intentional word on behalf of the kingdom on behalf of the King of the Kingdom. And we're going to spend the next six weeks with a plea to view ourselves as the primary means by which our God shares what He has done. What he has accomplished and what he offers through the good news of Jesus for the sake of the world. And we're going to spend these six weeks camped out in the final verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in the first two verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me just read read these words. There's a whole lot that could be said, and we'll say more in coming weeks. But let me just read the, these verses from our friend, the Apostle Paul. Christ's love compels us. Your, your version may read, it controls us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we don't don't look to, we don't regard anyone from a a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're they're a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself, who made us right, who reconciled us to himself, who brought us close, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them and he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on God's behalf be reconciled to God. And we think that's a that's a verse for them. That's a verse for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, quoting Isaiah, In the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And again, we think that's about them. We think to ourselves, with, especially with chapter 6, verse 2, that's a verse I just wish, fill in the blank with somebody's name, that's a verse that I want for so-and-so to respond to. That's not who Paul is writing to. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to Christians and he is saying, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the time of salvation. It's not not them, it's us. Paul is saying, "You're, you're messengers of reconciliation. Do something with it. You've been saved through the good news of Jesus. Share that with somebody. Don't be selfish and keep it all to yourself. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at different portions of this text. But there's two elements that I want to to begin with today. And if all we accomplish are these two things, I'm good with that. The first is, it is a decision to follow Christ. It's a decision to follow Jesus. And one of the things I have in mind... later on down the road is for us to to invest a a bit of time in a series on baptism. Because that's how we respond to the gospel of Jesus. So I don't want to leave this without having said that. But what I want to make sure I communicate this morning in regard to to reaching out. Number one, it is a decision. It's a decision to follow Christ. There's a line that's drawn in the sand that says, I'm going to follow Him. And then secondly, sharing Jesus, the Gospel, it's your job. Again, if you're with me, say amen. It's, it's our job. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. You've seen those... those uh, Images, those memes, it'll say you had one job to do and it'll show some sort of mistake that's been made. Church, I'm telling you, we've got one job to do. And we've got to get this right. For Christ's love compels us. It controls us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. It's like like the momentum of a freight train. This from Harry Emerson Fosdick from nearly a hundred years ago. No steam or gas ever drives anything until it's confined. No Niagara is ever turned into light and power until it's tunneled. No life ever grows until it is focused, dedicated, and disciplined. Read verses, uh, verse 14 out of chapter 5 in the New English Bible. Go to the next slide there. For the love of Christ leaves us no choice. It controls us. It compels us. It leaves us no choice when we have received the conclusion that one man died for all, and therefore all mankind has died. It's a decision to follow Jesus. And once we have, God gives us a job to do. Jesus, during His ministry, not once, Is Jesus ever impressed by someone's righteousness? He's impressed by their faith. This from columnist and author Rachel Held Evans, who who tragically passed away less less than a month ago. She was only 37 after an allergic reaction. This is what God's kingdom is like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table. Now, we've got, we've, some of you have the oddball part down. The kingdom of God, it's like a bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table. Not because they are rich or worthy or good. But because they are hungry. Because they said yes. And there's always room for more. And my question to you this morning, as a believer, is are you hungry? Are you hungry still? Because churches churches don't drift toward evangelism. They drift toward themselves. And in our day... And in our time and in our culture, that may be difficult, as difficult as it is in every day, every time, in every culture, every generation. But that does not mean that sharing and proclaiming the good news of Christ in a relevant way is optional optional for each of us. Again, if you're with me, say amen. If we truly believe if we truly believe that someone is lost and going to hell without Christ, eternally separated from God, how badly do we have to despise them not to share with them what we've already embraced? What we've already found? If indeed we've truly found it. Two more questions from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 29: "Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? Is that the way you feel? Do you have that sort of compulsion, that sort of passion? If not, if not, why not? Do we have a passion for the gospel? And is that passion revealed not only in gospel thinking and behavior, but is it revealed in gospel action? Because you can be as upright and as righteous as you are called to be and still not make a single dent in the life of anybody else. Are we convinced that Jesus is the way and not a way? Are we convinced he's the way? While back, Barner Research published that when asked why they were a Christian, many believers, when they responded, they fell into one of three categories. That when Christians were asked, why are you a Christian? their response fell into one of three categories. The first one is my family is Christian. My family's Christian. The second, I had a conversion experience. And the third, I found a way out of struggle. My family's Christian. I had a conversion experience. I found a way out of struggle. All of which are are valid. The problem is, a person could respond one of those three ways if they were asked, why are you a Buddhist? Why are you a Muslim? Why are you Hindu? When the only, the only correct answer to the question of why are you a Christian, the only correct answer is Jesus is the way. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is God's way of allowing us a way to come to Him. Jesus is the way. He's not a way. It's the question that Jesus asked His disciples. Who do you say that I am? Who do I say Jesus is? By my life, by my words, by my actions, by my choices, and by how motivated I am to share who I know Him to be. Who do I say Jesus is? Fifty times in the New Testament, the statement is made that Jesus is the Son of God. When someone is baptized into Christ, what's the question that we ask? Do you believe that Jesus is God's Son? But do we believe it? Every other world religion says, you build your bridge to me. When Christianity declares, your bridge ain't long enough. But do we believe the resurrection to be true? Do we believe the resurrection to be true? Think, think Savior, not life coach, okay? Do we believe the resurrection to be true? My friend Chris Seaman lives in Capel, in and he has uh, neighbors who the, the husband has a background in Christianity, and the wife, uh, up until last year, the wife was Jewish. And so his Chris's wife, she invites their neighbors to the small group, small group that meets in their home. And the, neither one of them connected to, to church, even though they had been married for, for a long time. The husband had grown up Christian, she had grown up grown up in a, a Jewish uh, family, and yet they got, to mother, got together, they got married, and since they couldn't agree on religion, they just made the choice of going nowhere. And so Chris's wife invites them to their small group. She begins to hear, for the first time, the story of Jesus. And after months and months, she asks the question to their group. She asks the question, when did Jesus die a second time? She, she's hearing of, of Jesus dying on the cross and then being raised to life. But she asks the question, when did he die a second time? You see, yes, it's that Christ was raised from the dead, but it's also that he ascended into heaven and he sits at God's right hand. He's interceding for us. It's what demonstrates to the world that Jesus is not a way, Jesus, Jesus is the way. Do we believe the resurrection and the ascension to be true? Are we transformed by the good news of Jesus and the resurrection power of the gospel? And do we have a burning desire within us? As Jeremiah will say, like fire that is shut up in our bones. To share the message of Jesus. And if not, if not, why not? Might it be that we don't believe it to be true? Do we not believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we not believe that He was crucified, buried, and on the third day rose again? Might it be that we don't care? Might it be that we simply don't have a heart for the lost? But if we do believe and we do care and we do have a heart for the lost, if that's us, then what are we doing about it? The earliest critique of Christianity was that it was too inclusive. And my question this morning is, how do we get back to that? And I think the answer is to be messengers announcing victory, ambassadors for Christ. And Satan, Satan, the, the enemy, he'd like nothing better than to get us off mission. It would please him greatly to derail the followers of Jesus at the Easteridge Church of Christ. To have us constantly focused internally rather than externally. In church, that simply can't be us. So I want to ask you to to journey with me over the next six weeks. Taking seriously the call of God to reach out. To reach out with the good news of Christ. And let's just see what God does with this. Every journey requires a decision and this morning if you have never made the decision to follow christ to be saved by christ again think savior not life coach if you've never accepted christ and been baptized into christ i want to ask you to please come forward this morning i'll meet you as you do as we stand and as we sing